Amen. Welcome, everybody. Thank you to our band members. Couldn't help it. I'm standing back there, and with this last song, I got all emotional. You guys ever get emotional in a service? Isn't it awesome that we have God's presence here? We get a chance to, to meet as a family and to worship Him and to acknowledge His presence and His power in us. So, so grateful for that. Um, want to welcome everybody and give you a second opportunity to turn and say hello because the first time we did that it was like uh, not that many people here so why don't you turn around and say hello real quick i'll see if you see if you notice that there are several people here for the first time did you notice that and so we're always grateful to have uh guests and yeah, people that are joining us for the first time so welcome that's the first thing i want to tell you we're uh we're blessed to have you here and so thank you for being here on this cold, foggy morning, and yet, and yet you're here. So I think that's part of why I got a little emotional just seeing you, you guys here, a lot of you making sacrifices to be here kind of early on a Sunday. And um, so just know that you bless me by being here um, and, and just being able to gather and, and worship together and acknowledge God's goodness and God's greatness is a special thing that we don't want to take for granted. So um, let me quickly mention that if you are a guest here or you don't receive our, let's say, for example, our newsletter or text from us and you would like to, I would encourage you to want to get that information. You want to fill out a, an information card, uh, a contact card. We have physical ones here. They're, they're, they're really small, really easy to fill out. Or if you go online to crosspointchristianchurch.com, you scroll all the way down, you'll see a form that you can literally fill out like in 45 seconds. I'm sure you could do it faster than that. And then submit that, and that just gives us an opportunity to stay in contact with you. So you'll get a uh, newsletter, for example, that we get on, on Saturday evenings. We got one last night, and there's some really good stuff in there about events that are happening. You would have known if you read that, that we have a pizza bowl happening. So if you guys like pizza... I'm sorry to tell you, you're actually not invited, unless you're part of our Bible Bowl people, all right? Uh, so that's actually for our Bible Bowl. Those are our youth in our church. If you're part of that, we have a, another church joining us, and they're going to have an event afterwards. So, so in, to that point, we're not tearing down or we're not putting the chairs away today. We'll just leave everything as it is, all right? Um, and, and just pray for our Bible Bowlers. They have a competition on the book of Revelation against other churches and against everybody. So that's really exciting. Um, looking forward to that. You could also get pizza at your local stands. <laughs> in case I threw you off on that one, I'm sorry. I was, couldn't help myself. So the communication card, let me quickly mention too that there is going to be um, really excited about growth groups. I'm really excited about growth groups. We've been announcing it. If you've watched or you've been here or you've watched our uh, services. You, you heard me announce that uh, as a church, we're going through a lot of transitions, and one of them is really becoming a church of growth groups. So we don't want to just have growth groups. We want to be a church of growth groups. And what that does is we have about 12 different groups where we're encouraging everyone who attends regularly to Crosspoint. If you believe God has led you to have Crosspoint be your, your local church, we encourage you to join. They're going to be starting next week. Today is actually the last formal day to, uh, to register. If you need to register after today, you're going to have to go through me, which is great because I'm not going to tell you no, but um, uh, we'll find you a good group. 
All right. I, I, I can tell you that there's about 100 people signed up. If you look around right now, there's probably maybe 60 of you, 70 of you. So we have 100 people already signed up to growth groups, and we're hoping that we get 80%. But I've told you before, my hope as a pastor is that everybody that attends Crosspoint would really consider being part of a growth group. And the idea there is for us to grow together, to have an opportunity to, to build friendships, to support each other, encourage one another. One of the things that I'm most proud of and most pleased about our church is seeing how many of you are involved in helping each other, other people. And I won't give specifics, but you know who you are. You give of your time, uh, you give of your money, you give of your resources, and you, you do that to help other people. That's biblical, beloved. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. And so we're offering an opportunity for all of us to be part of groups where we can grow together, you know, be accountable to other people, be encouraged, be helped, or you help others. That's what, it's, that's what it's all about. As we do that, the Bible says that as people from the outside see our love for one another, they are going to realize that we are his disciples. That's our testimony. Not just getting together and learning new stuff and being really knowledgeable about the Word. and have, That's awesome and that's great. That's super important. But if that doesn't translate to us looking out for one another and helping each other and blessing one another in order to grow the body, then there's something wrong. Okay? So if you go to crosspointchristianchurch.com, there's a little slide uh, that says growth groups. You click on that. You register. You'll see what days they're available, what time, who's leading those. And I can tell you there's four groups that are already closed. Um, and the rest of the groups have a few spots in there. If we need to create another group, we have another couple that's ready to start another group. And so join us, join us, um, and, 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 and take a step of faith. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you who hasn't signed up and you've heard already about this. Take a step of faith, try it uh, out of faith, out of obedience, try something different, put yourself out there, out of your comfort zone perhaps, and, um, and see what the Lord has for you. I, I know that um, God is going to do some great things through these efforts uh, of growth groups in our church. So we're excited about that. You should know uh, there is a women's IF gathering. It's a conference that's going to happen right around uh, in March 5th and 6th. Uh, this is uh, like a third party. We're, not, we're just going to be part of that. I know Sarah's involved in that. I believe maybe Monique as part of our women's uh, group leader is probably involved in that. Uh, so we're going to start announcing that. I just want to mention it so you can think about it, uh, look into it. It's, it's literally called If Gathering. And the idea is even if the worst thing was to happen, God is still on the move. He's still on the throne. And so I think it's going to be very beneficial. Um, and I saw there's some really great speakers. So it's not just a women's thing. I know some guys might be really interested. I saw Francis Chan being one of the speakers. I saw... Um, forgot what his name is, but really good speaker as well. Uh, so look into it and talk to Sarah Brummel, talk to Monique, maybe some of the other ladies that are usually help us lead the women's group, but, or you can look it up online. You do have to register for it. There is a price. I don't know what that is, but keep that in mind. All right, I mentioned the Bible Bowl already, the Pizza Bowl today happening. And the last thing I want to mention in form of uh, announcements is Jason. Where's Jason at? See Jason right there? Jason is a very valuable individual around here. One, if you didn't pick up one of these so that we could take communion, you want to take communion with us, and you didn't get one of these on your way in, you want to raise your hand and Jason can help you. There's at least one right there. And also, um, 
you, if you got our newsletter, you saw something in there about us needing people to volunteer to help us set up, tear down. Uh, at 7 in the morning, there's a group here uh, of, of, of men and women, a small one, that is in charge of setting up the chairs for you, setting up the stage, getting everything ready. I don't even know what time Matt gets here. By the time I get here at 7, he's already here, almost done. I don't know, I think he sleeps here. I'm not sure. We'll check the cameras. But if, if you're interested, and I hope you are, take that step of faith and say, hey, you know, I'm up at 6 on Sunday anyway. Or, or you could say, you know what, I'm not up at 6 in the morning, but I'll make this effort, the sacrifice to bless and help others and see what God has. Uh, he says that if we're faithful in the little things, he'll put us in charge of bigger things. And so sometimes we've got this wrong mentality of, you know, if I could only be an evangelist preaching in the Rose Bowl someday. It's like, well, I'll start stacking chairs first, and then he might get you there. Eventually, he wants to see your faithfulness. So Jason has a clipboard on his hand for people to sign up. You're going to need more sheets than that, Jason. See? Ah, see, there you go, man of faith. So we're trusting a lot of guys and girls to sign up and say, yeah, I'll come at 7 in the morning on Sundays and set up, or I'll stick around after and tear down. Cool? Something for everybody to do. I'm telling you. In order for us to take communion this morning, what a privilege it is. Um, you know, last week somebody asked me, they were here for the first time, and they said, um, I have a question. I talked to them afterwards and said, uh, how come you guys take communion every Sunday? Because they come from a church where they take it on the first Sunday of the month. And I said, well, you know, I come from a church where we used to take communion once a month on the first Sunday of the month. But the reality is, like every other question that you and I might have, we always want to go back to the Bible, right? Because if not, we get stuck with culture or history or just doing things because that's how we've always done them or people where we grew up, this is how they did it, so this is how we do it. And we start thinking that the Bible somewhere says that you're supposed to take communion once a month on the first Sunday of the month, not every Sunday. Or some people will say like, oh, you got to do it every Sunday, every time you get together. So what's the answer? The answer is the Bible's not clear on that. What it does say is that when you get together, remember, and, and, and we believe here that this is a symbol. We don't believe that the bread becomes the literal body of Christ. We do this in remembrance of what it represents. And so Paul says, as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Or the Lord says that. Paul's repeating what the Lord says. And so I, I believe it's open to interpretation. So whether you do it every week or once a month or every time you gather or every day, it's really up to you. What we don't want is for this to become just a routine or, or to not give it the value that it deserves. Although this is a representation what it represents is really important for us as Christians. You know, the bread that we take here, the reason why it's flat is because it doesn't have any, um, it's unleavened bread. And, and it symbolizes the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was hung on the cross for our sins. That's the point. The message of the cross. And then the Jews, there's nothing special about this juice. It's juice but it represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed in the blood for the remission of sins, for the payment of sins, your sins, my sins. So how often should we remember that? As a church, we say every Sunday morning will be a beautiful time to be able to remember what Jesus Christ did for us some 2,000 years ago at the cross. And it should change our lives. It should impact our lives. It's not just something we do and, you know, let's, all right, let's, get, for, let's get the good stuff now. Let's get the message. This is the message. 
It's really a representation of the gospel. And so what I want to read to you this morning, what I normally do is, is remember last week we read uh, Isaiah 53. Um, I want to read one verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And this is really neat. So this is the message of the cross, the body of our Lord that was hung on the cross, and it represents the, the Jews represents the blood that was shed. The Bible says that, and science says, that life is in the blood. And it also says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so every time we do this, we're remembering the gospel and what the Lord Jesus Christ did in our behalf. So to that, look how blessed we are as Christians to be able to celebrate this. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What a privilege. You know that most people on the planet do not understand what this symbolizes, what this represents, the gospel. In fact, when they hear it, they think it's foolishness. It's ridiculous to think that one person can die on a cross and 2,000 years ago if he really existed anyway, and then that his death would be enough to save me of my sins, to cleanse me of every wrong thought, deed, action, or inaction that I've committed against God's holiness? And the answer is, that's exactly what the gospel is. But it wasn't just a man. It was God in the flesh. And he was perfect. Having no human dad, he was perfect with no sin, and he lived some 33 years, and then he died at the cross, and he offered his body and his life as a sacrifice, as a payment for the sins of the world. Yours and mine. And so, as a sinner, I'm able to stand before a holy and perfect God, justified. Justified. Being declared not guilty. Though I am guilty of sin, and all of us are, the Bible says that we've all sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And yet, how dare I say that God is my Father, that I can pray to Him, that He hears me, that He watches over me, that I have a relationship with Him. He's perfect and holy, and He can't have anything to do with anything unholy. And so that's where the message of the cross comes in. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God the Father made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we should become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus takes our spot and our sin, and he imputes to us his righteousness, and thus, as a sinner, I stand forgiven by the blood of Christ. Shouldn't we celebrate that every week? I think so. And so, if that's what you believe, if the message of the cross is not foolishness to you, but it is the power of God unto salvation, then we invite you to take it with us. Let's take it together. And we take the juice as a representation of his blood that was shed on our behalf. Let's take that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful gift of salvation and the blessing in which we find ourselves as your children, understanding the gospel, 
understanding your love and your gift, and having accepted that by faith. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here, whether they've been here for a long time or whether it's their first time here. What a privilege to celebrate communion. What a privilege to sing songs unto you. And what a privilege to be able to hear a message that comes from your word. So we pray for your blessing, Holy Spirit. We know you're here. We pray that you would do a wonderful transforming work in all of our lives. We pray in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. So for you, you might be thinking, that was a great sermon. <laughs> what time are we leaving? Are we... No, that was just us taking communion. I do have a message that I want to share with you. And... I think I can see as a timer, almost. Does that say 35 minutes? Or is that says 23, huh? Does that say 23 minutes? All right. Okay. Facing your fears is the title of this morning's message. Facing your fears. I should have said facing our fears. But facing your fears, it's based out of 2 Timothy 1.7. One verse. Just one verse. We're going to take a look at that. Let me read it to you. This is Paul writing to a young pastor who no doubt has some major work ahead of him. He's kind of taking over Paul's responsibilities in many ways. He's a young man. He, um, for a time, is pastoring the church in Ephesus, and, and the church in Ephesus had some, some people that were trying to teach some some, some doctrines that were not aligned to what Paul and what our Lord Jesus Christ had taught. And so he had a tough uh, assignment, per se. And it seems he dealt with some fear, some timidity. Uh, and so Paul writes to him, his, Paul's second letter to Timothy is really one of Paul's last letters. So this is Paul towards the end of his life, and he knows He's, he's incarcerated. He knows he's probably not going to be delivered from this one. And so he's writing to his protege, his mentee, and he tells him this right off the bat in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. The main point for my message is this. Trusting God and facing our fears is a way to live for the glory of God. Trusting God and facing our fears is a way to live for the glory of God. Now, fear, I really had a, uh, I don't know if it was a tough time or a great time studying, preparing for this message, because when, uh, the more I thought about fear, there was so many things that can be said about that. Uh, for example, I think we all fear, right? We all have fears, and and. and I felt privileged to be able to stand here in the pulpit and tell you that it's okay to fear or to experience fear, and it's normal. And the reason why I say that is because many of us, when we experience fear, and we do, our first reaction is to hide and to hide that fear because we see it as weakness. We don't want to let people know that I'm afraid of this or afraid of that. You know, some of you guys are afraid of spiders, and some of you guys are afraid of the dark, and some of you guys are afraid of a lot of stuff. Some of us maybe are not as afraid of so many things, but where it comes down to, beloved, there's so many things for which if we really analyze our heart, I would uh, venture to say that we all have fears. And so let's just put it out there. 
fear is a normal uh, response to a sense of danger out there that is, that is common to human beings. And God put that in us, the ability to fear. And in fact, the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. And, and if not for fear, beloved, we probably would have done so many more uh, foolish things growing up, right? So when we were a kid, it's like maybe you're afraid of the chancla. For those in the Hispanic community, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that would be like mom's sandals where she just takes it off and curves it around the corner as you run into your room and still smacks you in the back of your head. You know, if not for, if not for the fear of our parents, we would have done a lot more foolish things. As teenagers, maybe, you know, the idea that you might end up in jail. You know, who wants to do that? So I better not do this. So fear can be a very good thing. It's, now, however, fear could also be a bad thing. And, and the reason why I was prompted to, to give this message is that fear, in a bad way, is becoming more and more, it seems, as, as a normal part of our lives. Some of you may uh, feel that the reason why we're wearing masks is because we're all afraid. And, and not so. Uh, some of us might be more fearful about the coronavirus, uh, many of us have already gotten it, myself and my family included, and it certainly wasn't pleasant, and nobody's like, I think, you know, hoping to get it. Um, those that are usually change their mind once they get it. It's been my experience. So we wear our mask more out of consideration for, for one another. Um, sometimes we may not fear it because we haven't really experienced it. Some of us have a different outlook on the coronavirus because we've lost people close to us, loved ones. And so we want to be careful, we want to be considerate towards people like that. That's, that's what this is about. The reason why we haven't moved into our building and we're looking forward to that is because, not because we're fearful of the government or we're fearful of uh, the coronavirus. We want to be sensible and we want to be considerate. That's what that is. So keep that in mind. Uh, but more and more, you know, you, maybe you hear about climate change and, and you know, the world might end and Every other movie is about the end of the world and, you know, catastrophic events. And um, you look at our maybe political situation you're thinking like, there's no way this is going to get fixed. It's going to lead to, you know, civil war and the United States, you know, being divided. And, and, it's, and, and all these things can creep in. And then you add different illnesses, uh, catastrophes, disease, uh, you know, economic well-being, uh, losing a job, and all these things can kind of start getting to you, even as Christians. And so I'm, my hope is that as we look to the Word and talk about facing our fears, that we will be blessed and equipped to be able to face our fears. We don't want to, um, you know, anxiety seems to be at an all-time high. Um, my question to you is, what are, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I think that's a good question to ask ourselves. Um, another good question about fear is, what fears have you, by the grace of God, have been able to overcome? Because uh, I love hearing that. And a couple of weeks ago, our sister Monique wrote about that, about the coronavirus and her fear of it and, and what God taught her through it. Uh, and, and it's awesome to hear people's testimony of where we were and how God dealt with us in order that we would overcome those fears. Sometimes we're not really willing to face our fears, and we let those fears dominate our lives. 
And, and as Christians, the problem with that is that as the more we fear, the more we hide and the less God is able to use us for his honor and glory. And so rather than exercising the gift that he has gifted us with in the body of Christ in order to bless and grow the body, we're so fearful that we're too concerned with our fear instead of being out there doing what we're supposed to be doing. I want to share with you um, a quick quiz. And some of you guys already know this, I'm sure. You guys are all theologians. But do you know what the most common commandment is in the Bible? And I gave you all kinds of hints already. Do not fear. Fear not. You hear that over and over from Old to New Testament. And, and somebody said, I didn't go back and count the whole thing, but they say there's 365 verses that have to do with uh, God telling us to not fear. That would be one for every day. I'm sure if you, look, you do a Google search, you'll find those 365 verses. And if you want to read one every day, that's, that's up to you. But how interesting that over and over again, the Bible would say, don't fear. Every time the Lord would appear to the apostles in a different way, it's like, don't fear. If an angel came and talked to Mary, to Joseph, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. How interesting that that would be the most common commandment throughout the Bible. And God knows what he's doing. And he, he, had, he felt he had to do that because we're so fearful as human beings. I want to uh, share with you the fact that if God tells us fear not, you know what that makes fear? That makes fear a choice. We have to understand that being fearful is a choice that we make. And so if God was to tell us fear not, you can't say, well, how am I supposed to not fear if, if I have no control over that? That would be pretty silly for God to give us a commandment for which we have no control over. So the fact that he over and over tells us not to fear tells us that us being in fear is a choice that we make. And I think that's a game changer for many of us. We don't have to live in fear. We can choose to not live in fear. And in you choosing not to live in fear, you're actually being obedient to the most common commandment that's found in the Bible. I thought that was really interesting. Do you believe that fear is always a lack of faith? We're not going to debate it. I'm just going to tell you my opinion, and that would be yes. Fear is always a lack of faith. Now, before you feel like, oh, but I'm fearful, that means I don't have a lot of faith, I would say, yeah, welcome to the club. Congratulations. That's really important for you to understand. Sometimes we think like we're full of faith because we, I don't know, whatever you think makes you a very full of faith person. I think over and over you find in the Bible that even the apostles were, were people of little faith. And so if fear is a lack of faith and we find ourselves fearful at times, then it means that we lack faith. And I would say, yes, that's absolutely the case. And, but that's why we're here. And, and so if we're thinking like, Mike, but I'm always fearful. And so if, if that's a lack of faith, so what do I do? Well, you have a choice to make. We've got to get some more faith, right? And then the question becomes, how do I get more faith? I want more faith so I could be less fearful. What do I do? Let me tell you the simplest answer. In Romans 10, 17, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want more faith? Get into the word. You want to be in the word? Join a growth group is a great way 
for you to be in the Word, where people are going to hold you accountable. They're going to ask you if you don't go to, if you don't go, look, if you miss church every once in a while, I'll probably going to notice that you're not here because uh, I notice who's here, who's not. But I might not be able to contact you or ask you the following week because, you know, there's, there's a lot of you. But if you're in a small group and you miss church, I expect the growth group leaders and everybody in that group to say, hey, we missed you on Sunday. And it's not to interrogate you or make you feel guilty, but what's going on? Everything okay? Like, there's some accountability there. And then talk about the message. Talk about the word. We're going to get into the word in our small groups. We're going to learn some good stuff together so we can grow and grow in faith. And as a result, as we grow as Christians, we're going to find ourselves being less and less fearful. And the more less fearful we are, and the less we retrieve and hide, the more God is going to be able to use us. He doesn't want us to be hiding. He wants us to shine his light in this world. That's where he wants us to be. So, um, 2 Timothy 1.7. Really, my message is just based off this one verse, and it's really simple. God says, God, Paul is reminding Paul and saying, Paul, remember, man, don't be fearful. Don't be timid because... Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know, we talk about the, the last song that we sang, talk about the spirit welcoming and, and being in tune with the spirit, understanding his presence. Paul, Paul is reminding Paul of that. Paul is reminding Timothy of that fact. He says, you've received the Holy Spirit, and it's not a spirit of fear. Instead, it is a spirit of power um, he says it is a, a power, love, and sound mind. And so, um, facing our fears requires living. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill up that, that sentence, and those are going to be our three points for this morning. All right? And we don't have a lot of time, but we don't need a lot of time, so we're going to go fast. So, facing our fears requires living. Our first point is this, living in the spirit of power. What does that mean, living in the spirit of power? And this is just what Paul told Timothy, keeping it really simple here. Really basic, but that's where the growing happens in the basics and the fundamentals. He says, understand that the spirit in you as children of God, he has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of power. Now, power is the ability to do things, having the energy or the ability to do things, to cause effect, which I find really interesting because fear makes us hide. It makes us ineffective in doing the work that Christ has for us to do. But power is the opposite. That is having the ability to do things, to cause things to happen. And we, as Christians, have this amazing, unlimited power by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And Paul is reminding Timothy of that. And, and, and remember, Timothy is a pastor. Timothy is somebody that has proven his faith, that has been faithful like nobody else, Paul says. This is an outstanding individual, and yet Paul is having to write this letter to Timothy very much. You read all 2 Timothy, and over and over, fear not. Be encouraged. And so we should be encouraged that somebody like Timothy needed to be encouraged by somebody else through his word. So, in the spirit of power, Acts. let me read to you three verses that I, have, that I want to share with you. Acts 1.8. The Lord says, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and, and doesn't stop there. He says, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the world. So God says, look, you're going to receive this power, but power, if not exercised, is useless. Right? I just heard a song this morning. I'm way back home after setting up this morning. Mercy Me. He's, he, I've heard the song before, but he mentions something. He goes, he goes, I realized that I used to drive 35 and I had a rocket in my engine. Something like that. Right? It's a new song. And he's basically saying that as a young Christian, a believer, he was living this mediocre life because he didn't realize what power he had in him, meaning the Holy Spirit. And I would say we're all like that. We're all learning to understand the power that is in us. Philippians 4.13, very, very popular verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me power, who strengthens me. He strengthens me. He gives me power so that I can do things. But I can't do things if I'm living in fear. Ephesians 3.10 says, sorry, 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do, again, to do, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So, beloved, you know, it, it gets a little tricky because when we find ourselves in situations and in, in, in situations that cause us fear, we, we, we don't think straight. We forget these things. And so it's good to be in a place where we're reminded what the Bible says about the power that resides in us, a power that is the opposite of fearing, a power that is there in order for us to do and to be and to promote the gospel and to do the work that God has for us. And part of why we gather is to encourage each other unto love and good works, like it says in Hebrews 10, 25. So I hope you're encouraged to understand these truths. And it's not a pep talk. That's what the Word says. I don't want you to feel like, oh. And, and the other thing I don't want you to want to do is, is and because the Bible doesn't do this, it doesn't just say like, hey, don't fear. Stop, you're afraid? Stop being afraid, you weakster. Get some faith. What's wrong with you? The Lord would always say, the Lord always says, fear not, for I am with you. The Lord tells Joshua, don't be afraid, be courageous, fear not, for I will be with you. See, there's always a, there's a reason why we shouldn't fear. So I'm not asking you just to like trick yourself, psych yourself out. Next time you're scared, just say, I'm not really scared. I'm not really scared. No. Understand that you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to make the choice to be afraid because of the power that is in you, beloved. And, and it is our pleasure, our duty, and our privilege to find out and understand this power. God's presence in us, Emmanuel, God with us, is what we need to understand and learn. And that's what happens when you do a proper study of God's word. You understand who God is. So facing our fears requires living in the spirit of power, but facing our fears also requires living in the spirit of love, Paul says right here. And what does that mean? Love, a love to please God. A love is how we, we, we ought to live with a love to please God and a love to serve other people. And when we live like that, then we realize we can't be bound by fear because as long as we're bound by fear, we're, we're, we're showing a lack of faith 
And, and that lack of faith is really a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding of who God is. It really comes down to knowing God. And that's in part why we're here. That's in part why God leaves us here and, and allows us to be part of congregation. That's why we have His written word for us to read and be fed with spiritually. Because we need to understand that not only are we not to live in fear, but we are to live in the spirit of love. Listen to these verses. 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love. How interesting. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And here it's talking about, you know, as Christians, we have escaped the judgment of God. And so if we have that understanding, we won't be fearful. But fear expels, love expels fear. And to understand God's love, to understand that we have been saved by God's love, by God's grace, and that His love, because of the Holy Spirit, is in us. That's, if, when you read uh, Galatians 5.20, the fruit of the Spirit, love is right there. And so the more we know God, the more we love God, the more we understand His love, we fear less. So again, part of the answer to not fearing is knowing God and knowing His love and being willing to allow God's love to be exercised and shown through us as we love Him back and we serve other people because we're not afraid. Romans 5.5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, as plain as can be. Hope does not disappoint, and it's talking about when we go through tribulations and trials. It says hope does not disappoint because the love of God is not just out there. It's not just for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But that love that is manifested in Christ dying for us, though we were still sinners, actually resides in us through the Holy Spirit in us. And then Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities or powers, things present or things to come, nor height nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? Yes. Okay. All right. From the love of God. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I know I didn't prep you for that one. All right, you guys weren't ready. Okay, here we go. So let me give you the third thing. We only have a couple of minutes left here. But facing our fears requires living in the spirit of power, in the spirit of love. And that verse says also, in the spirit of a sound mind. This is so important. A sound mind has to do with self-control rather than, than a distorted way of thinking. And beloved, you probably have uh, experienced this. Many times the things that we fear are not really what we thought they were. We fear so many things because we have a distorted view of things. We don't have the proper perspective of things. And so he says we should have a sound mind. Philippians 2, 2-5 says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. We have the ability 
and the privilege to have the mind of Christ because we have, because we have the Spirit of Christ living in us. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. There's a problem. We're many times too, uh, we're embracing this world and the things of this world. But he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And God does that renewing of the mind through his word. Let me wrap it up by saying Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, and reading this in the context of fear, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I love this because it's a heart thing. If we trust God with all of our heart, then in our heart there won't be any room for fear. Lean not on your own understanding. That has to do with your mind. Don't don't just see things the way you see them. Allow God to teach you how to view things and allow other people to speak truth into your life so that you can have a proper perspective on things. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Beloved, my last sentence. Fear is normal and inevitable. And our goal should not be to avoid things that we fear, but to learn to face and overcome our fears with faith in our sovereign Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope you're blessed. We're out of time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this precious time together. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. I ask for your blessing. Father, as your word went out this morning, Holy Spirit, we trust in your power and in, in doing a wonderful transforming work in our lives. We thank you. We bless your holy name. We pray in Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. Amen.